Hello, welcome to Persuade You, the podcast where I, Stephen, recommend you, the listener, stuff and things I think are worth your time and checking out. So, I really hope you guys liked the last episode. That is probably one of my favorite characters of all time, and so uh, it was a really easy recommendation to go to. Before we kick this off, there are two things of note that I want to bring to y'all's attention. So, the first one is, it would... it of course happened that the day after the episode went live, another artist created some Static Shock artwork. His name is Cedric Joseph, and I'll have his stuff linked below, but man, that piece is really, really cool. And I don't want to take away from Raina. That work is incredibly amazing as well. It's just nice to see different interpretations of the same character. The second thing I want to note is that way, 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 way back in like episode five or six, I talked about like the apps that I recommend just overall and one of the podcast apps that I recommended that I use constantly is Overcast. It's because of the chapter support and the noise reduction and all that other stuff. However, there is another app that I also recommended called Pocket Casts, and it is very, very close, almost identical to Overcast in how everything works and stuff, but I had never given it a shot because, I mean, I have Overcast. It's dedicated for iOS, and Pocket Cast is for Android and iOS, and what have I said before? If it's not dedicated for a single platform, it's usually worse. What I found, though, is after I recommended podcasts to a friend of mine, I decided I was going to give it a shot. And so I downloaded Pocket Casts and I made sure I transferred all my stuff. And then what I realized is not only do the chapters look better, if, um, say, like my artwork for each individual chapter is, I don't know, let's say like a rectangular dimension. So either horizontally or vertically, it's not a square. What Overcast does is the blank space it fills in with white, even when you're in dark mode. And that is something that has always, always, always bothered me is because you look at your phone and you want to see all black if you're in dark mode, obviously. But Pocket Cast, on the other hand, fills it all with black and it looks so clean. So if we look back at the last episode last week, if you compare the Static Shock artwork that I have between Overcast and Pocket Cast, it looks immensely better in Pocket Cast. The only thing that I'm waiting on Pocket Cast to step up and actually do is have clips. So in Overcast, when you want to share a piece of the episode, there are a few different ways you can do it. A couple of these ways are in all podcast apps. So you can share the entire episode. You can share that episode with a timestamp. And so when that person downloads the episode or clicks the episode to stream it, it'll take them to that exact timestamp. But what you can do in Overcast is you can hit share as a clip. And what it'll do is it'll take a section of that audio file and it will let you trim it down to up to 90 seconds of audio. And then you can just send that as you would a picture, except it's a video. And it basically just plays that audio file with the uh, the image in the background for that podcast. And that is so great. I can't tell you how many times I've shared and uploaded and just forwarded clips to friends or family or, or even the social media for this podcast is because you get a lot more engagement with like a, a video. You get a lot more views and, and stuff like that as opposed to, hey, go download this thing. If somebody you don't know is like, hey, go download this thing, you're like, hey, no. And then you just will never do it. But if they send you a short video clip in like a message or it has it in like your stories or like on your social media, you're much more inclined to click it so that way you can gauge how much you like it and then maybe go and download the full episode if it piques your interest. That is a feature that is only available in Overcast. And so when I want to send a clip or something, I have to go back to Overcast, download that episode, clip it, and then send it out to whomever. I did reach out to Pocket Cast and they did say that they're working on this. I don't know when it's coming, but 
but until that time, I can't make the full transition to Pocket Cast like I'd like. And so I kind of am in a limbo right now with Overcast and Pocket Cast. If you're on Android and you don't care about clips or whatever, or you just want to use like screen recording and, and trim it yourself, that's fine. The downside to screen recording is it's going to compress that audio file even further. So when I upload an audio file and then I export it as an MP3, that way y'all can hear it and it sounds really good. I export it at a certain bit rate, which basically means that you listen to it at the highest quality that I can create with my current setup. And the downside to screen recording is it takes an already compressed file and does it again. And so you lose a lot of the quality in the audio sound. You can still get the content across, but I'm just letting you know that if you don't use Overcast, you're losing out on, on that feature. Also, if you're using Spotify, please stop. I could rant and rave about all the different reasons about why you shouldn't use Spotify as a podcast app, mainly because it's a music app pretending to be a podcast app and you don't have any of the podcast features you have like trim white noise or volume boost or increase speed playback or chapter support. All of that stuff you don't have in Spotify. So when I say, hey, go ahead, go look at the artwork that I have for this chapter or it's down in the show notes or whatever, uh, you won't be able to see anything because you're on Spotify. Spotify is a great music app, but uh, as I said, you lose a lot of the functionality when you're not using a podcast app. So I just wanted to say that because I want to be honest with you guys. I don't want to say that I've been using Overcast this entire time if I've decided to switch to something else. So there you guys go. Uh, now you know. So I'm mainly on Pocket Cast now just because I think it looks cleaner. And then when they have Pocket Casts, uh, availability with clips, um, I will go ahead and make the permanent transition. So those are the two things that I wanted to update you guys on. And let's get into the episode. All right, so now we get to talk about uh, one of my, another one of my really uh, big favorite superheroes, and that is Green Lantern, but the Jon Stewart version of Green Lantern, who, in my personal opinion, is the best. There's another Green Lantern we're going to be talking about down the road. Her name is Jessica Cruz, so feel free to look her up if you'd like, but she's going to have her entire own episode, so don't worry. This episode, we're going to be talking about Jon Stewart, and that name is synonymous with the comedian, and especially with 9-11 just passing, you know, all the work he did for the first responders is incredible. And so a lot of people think of him when and John Stewart comes up, but for me, uh, because I am a nerd, when I think John Stewart, I think Green Lantern. And when people say Green Lantern, that's the hero that I think of. And it's just because I never grew up with Hal Jordan. I never grew up with Guy Gardner. I grew up with Jon Stewart. He was in the Justice League cartoon. He was in the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. He made appearances in Batman and Superman, the animated series, and the Static Shock animated series. What's really cool is that this character is voiced by Phil Lamar, who, if you'll remember, is the exact same voice actor for Static Shock. And so when he went over to be in the Static Shock episode, he was voicing an entire conversation between himself as Green Lantern and Static Shock. And so he had to flip back and forth doing that. And that is, that's really incredible and impressive to see. And he also goes on to do the voice for Jon Stewart when he is in Injustice, the video game, which if you've never played Injustice, it is an incredibly, it's a really, really good not only comic series, but video game. The, the video game is, it's one of those ones where you kind of worry how a property is going to be handled or taken care of or how the story is going to come across when it's a very 
very well-known story, and they did an excellent job, in my opinion, and so if you've never played that, it's a, it's a, of course like a fighter, and so if you've ever played like Mortal Kombat, it's, it's the same kind of a thing, except in this one, I feel like there's a lot more story to it. What's beautiful about that is that once you're done playing Injustice, there's Injustice 2. There are two Injustices, and uh, you can go and play both of them, like, right now. They're available on every platform. I don't know if it's available on Switch, so don't quote me, but uh, that's a really, really great series. Now, getting back to Jon Stewart, much like many of the characters that aren't in the Milestone slash Dakotaverse, we're going to be talking about some heroes that were written by white people. And unfortunately, what ends up happening here is that you have diversity in your comics. Hooray! But then they are written terribly. Boo. And so when we go back and we look at the very first issue of Jon Stewart, when he first comes into the comics in 1971, I think was his first appearance, if I'm remembering off the top of my head. And if you think back to that time, 1971, that is right after the civil rights movement, which arguably ended in like 1966 to 69, give or take. It really depends on how you look at it, because even today, we're still battling a civil rights movement. If we weren't, Black Lives Matter wouldn't be a thing. And so it can be argued that the civil rights movement that is taught throughout history lessons all across America never really ended. But if we look at what most history textbooks say, it's around 1966 to 69. And then when you really look into it, that is Martin Luther King died and then Malcolm X also died right there. And then a few years later, we have Jon Stewart into the comics in 1971. And so when you look at how he's written, it is not a surprise that a lot of the stereotypical traits that many white people looked at black people as come through in the comics. And so when we see Jon Stewart, he's a very, very angry man, very fighting against the government and doesn't like politicians and all of that stuff. Why? Because if we look back at Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and many of the other civil rights leaders at the time, that's exactly what they were doing. It was very, you know, fighting back and making sure that your people, the people that you represent, were getting all of these rights and, you know, were not being beaten or hung and all of these terrible atrocities. And it makes sense that in that light, that Jon Stewart would be written just like that. But at the same time, this is a tendency to what many people do when it comes to seeing people as more than just one thing. It's a failure of us understanding somebody else. People contain multitudes, and I'll have a link to a John Green video where he talks about this. He says people aren't merely smart or merely dumb or merely stupid or merely that. Like We are all tons of things. Father, a mother, a cousin, an uncle, a worker, a gamer, a podcaster. You know, you can be any number of things at the same time. Unfortunately, Jon Stewart was written as an angry black man in the 70s, and so that's how he comes across. Now, to their credit, the writers, they do give him other things, and so he's also an architect. He's also a former Marine, which comes later down the road, and these are all really great traits, in my opinion, and if we look back on past episodes, Marines, those guys come up a lot, huh? 
That's weird. But yeah, and, and so that makes his character, in my opinion, way more, it adds more depth than many of the other Lanterns, in my opinion. Especially Hal Jordan. I, as I've said, was never really a big fan of Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan, I was introduced just pre-Ryan Reynolds' appearance in the movies. I didn't really care. I mean, you had the injustice, and I'd heard about him before, but anytime I looked at him, he was like this arrogant white guy that was always so full of himself and knew what he was doing all the time and was just this big hothead. And so like, yeah, sure, many people might like that. And some people still think that Hal Jordan is the best. But in my opinion, those people never got to grow up with Jon Stewart. It's inarguable, especially in the cartoons. And now for those of you that have never watched him, much like Static Shock, Green Lantern is in the DC universe. And so you can go online and watch all of his stuff on the DC universe online. You also have all of his comics. And so finding his comics will not be hard at all. You can find his comics at any comic book shop. I am certain of it. He's also in a few Justice League comics and what's really interesting when it comes to how Jon Stewart is as a Green Lantern. He is, written down, the most powerful Green Lantern of anyone in existence. This is stated numerous times in various comics. And so when we get into how his character has grown throughout the years from his first inception to now, you really get to see that growth and you get to see the change in how the writers go about it. And what's more is that in the cartoon, Green Lantern is much more composed. You can definitely feel that he was in the military. He's always clean cut most of the time, minus the uh, the kind of more somber episodes. He's always dressed up. He's always suited up. He's always ready to go. He always has a plan. He's like thinks through a lot of these things. And a lot of the time he's paired with either Hot Girl or the Flash. And the Flash and him are kind of my favorite duo when it comes to in the in the TV show because Flash is very jokey, very sarcastic, very... He's the humor of the Justice League. And him paired with Jon Stewart make this really interesting pairing a lot of the time. And so there are some really great episodes. There are ones where Jon returns to his hometown, which is in Detroit. And this was the first episode that I, I really felt that we got to really know Jon Stewart as, as a man and not the Green Lantern. And he goes back to his hometown and he's kind of sad that he's going back because many people, when you leave your hometown, you don't ever want to go back. All you remember are the bad things and the embarrassing times and all the people that never left and you did everything in your power to leave. And so now he's back and he's starting to see people that he used to know and that remember him. And this leads to him becoming a hero for that community, which as we talked about in Static Shock, you know, Static was this lone teenager that had nobody to look up to other than white superheroes. And while that's great, there are a lot of things that that never teaches you. But this was the thing that Jon Stewart brought forward in that episode. And he becomes this character for many kids in that episode because they don't have somebody to look up to. And so the next episode is much more lighthearted in my opinion and one that I know a little bit more about. And that's Jon Stewart is flung back in time. And so he ends up losing the charge on his ring. And so he doesn't have his power anymore. And he's, I mean, I, I'll have a, a video link below, but he ends up running into Marines that are fighting World War II. And so he's flung 
back into a situation that he knows all too well from kind of like a past life where he used to be in, in the Marines and, you know, not a civilian and not a superhero. He was just a guy serving his country overseas to try and punch Hitler in the face. And they end up working together. And it's a really, really fun episode to see Jon Stewart get back to his Marine roots. And what we learn is that Jon Stewart is the best sniper that anybody knows in the Marines. And that's a really huge title. And what's more is that transitions so well to how he is as a Green Lantern. He's very tactical. He knows how to hit an enemy, but he's not dumb. He's a very smart Green Lantern. He's very calm and collected most of the time when it comes to fights. It's only when someone like Hot Girl, who ends up becoming his girlfriend and later wife, is in danger that he occasionally loses control, and who wouldn't when it comes to somebody that you love? What's more is, I hinted the, at this later, or earlier, <laughs> sorry, and he is an architect, which means when he thinks of, say, like, a building, when we think of our house, right, we think of all the different rooms and, like, the stuff in it, but we don't really think of it on, like, an engineering architect architectural level. When he thinks about these things, he's breaking it down to the smallest part, thinking in dimensions and very like a 4D kind of a model. When he's going in, he can picture it moving up in scale through time as uh, you put layer upon layer on one another. He's thinking about how you go into each individual room and how those are going to be scaled proportionally and appropriately. And this leads to him becoming one of the most powerful Green Lanterns of all time, and the most powerful Green Lantern of all time, is because of that ability to think like an architect when it comes to using the ring. A Green Lantern's ring uh, is powered by will. It's by the, the Guardians, who are the keepers of the, the ring's power on Oa. And they end up bestowing this on Jon Stewart, as we talked about. And what you do, what you do is you basically picture whatever you want in your mind and then you use the ring to create it and it shoots out like a green beam of light and this creates a physical version of that thing that you're imagining. So if you're really creative and you have an architect's brain, you are able to create more physical things. What we saw with Hal Jordan is he was able to create dozens of things, but what he couldn't do is put them together by parts, and so they tended to break down or people could just break right through them. The ability to think like Jon Stewart allows him to create so many intricate parts to a thing that it makes them extremely difficult to break down. And as we see him go through the comics, he gets extremely good at this and efficient at this. And he's able to do this so fast compared to all the things that are going on around him. We see the object come to life immediately. But when he's thinking of how to create this thing, before he shoots that out, he's thinking down to like the very nut and bolt of this thing. I love that because later, later down the road, and this is something that a buddy of mine brought up, and I thought, no, there's no way. A good friend of mine, uh, Jesse, who used to do the previous podcast that I did uh, with John as well. Man, there's a lot of Johns in this episode, huh? Anyways, we got into this talk, and he and I were talking about different Green Lanterns that are our favorite, and what he said is that he was talking to somebody that he works with, or, or a friend of his, and he said that John Stewart has the ability to create kryptonite, and Jesse and I were like, no, that's ridiculous. There's, <laughs> there's no way kryptonite is a rock. And that was from his uh, Superman's home planet on Krypton. Like, no, like it's part of Krypton. Like, how are you going to create it? But then I read the comics for Green Lantern, Jon Stewart, and <laughs> 
I had to formally <laughs> tell tell Jesse that his friend was right. So because John Stewart is this very detailed, intelligent guy, what he ends up doing is in one of these comics, John Stewart has to create kryptonite. I won't tell you why, because I don't want to ruin anything. But he does have to create it. And so he says casually, like, it's not going to be quick. I have to really concentrate and do this right. And so when we think of, when you think of a rock, just think of any rock, it doesn't matter. What is everything comprised of? Atoms. We all know that. But atoms are comprised of smaller things. Atoms are comprised of neutrons, electrons, and protons. Inside the protons and neutrons, we have things called quarks. And those get even crazier. And what's inside of those? Like, it's just, it's just, it's just smaller and smaller things all the way down. All right. What John is able to do is when he's creating kryptonite, John is able to imagine things down to the isotopic level. Now, a quick thing, isotopes are, if we picture an element, an element gets its number or the atomic number comes from how many protons it has in its nucleus. And so that's the uh, protons and neutrons, but we just ignore the neutrons and how many protons it has. That's what we go with. And so what isotopes are that element, but with a different number of neutrons. And so you can have tons of elements and each one of them has an isotope. Think of carbon dating, right? We use different carbons when it comes to uh, seeing how old something is. And so we have like carbon 12, carbon 13. We have all of these different elements, but they are slightly different. Getting back to John, what he's able to do when he's thinking about kryptonite, kryptonite has to be created at a certain way to give off a certain energy that will weaken kryptonite. Kryptons are kryptonite people, kryptonians. Got it. See? I know comics. And that's very, very important. And he's able to do this. And that's super cool. But then what, what's even more is this goes a step further because John is able to create his own ring. But other Green Lanterns do that too. What's so special about him? Oh, well, I will tell you, hypothetical listener. What ends up happening is there are various colors of lanterns, all comprising of different, uh, we'll say, emotions. So how you channel your emotions into a ring will usually determine what kind of a lantern you are. And there is one type of lantern that we only see come up once in, in the comics, and Jon Stewart becomes the first lantern of that color, we'll say. And that's the ultraviolet ring. And if you know how the color spectrum works, we're not able as humans to see into the ultraviolet spectrum. Many, many animals are, such as butterflies and sparrows and uh, mantis shrimp. And now when it comes to the ultraviolet spectrum, this is brought forth by an alien and they take over Jon Stewart and they try and bring them to his side to give up all the secrets and stuff like that. But what Jon does is he's able to break through from this, harness the power of the ultraviolet ring. And then after he is, after he's mastered that ring, he just creates a tattoo on his finger of the ring and his body body becomes the ring. So he no longer needs a ring anymore, a physical ring, which is extremely important in a lot of comics and in a lot of the TV show. You're going to see John will lose his ring occasionally. And this becomes like this huge weakness because without his ring, he doesn't have any power. And in this comic issue where he creates the ring on his finger, he no longer has to worry about that becoming a weakness. And so he's ascended to this like new plane of power where he can just rule. And uh, it's really, really cool to see a lot of this stuff transpire. And that's, I mean, I think I've pretty much convinced you. I really hope I have. Uh, John Stewart is one of the best heroes in all of DC, in my opinion. And what's more is in the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited cartoons, 
He's a founding member of the Justice League, which is super important. In a lot of the comics, we see it's Hal Jordan or there's no Green Lantern at all. But here, Jon Stewart is the founding member, and that is super cool to see. And later down the road, DC is hinted at the next Green Lantern, which is the Green Lantern Corps. That's going to be a movie that's going to be coming out eventually, is going to star Hal Jordan with Jon Stewart in the same movie in like this buddy cop type of a situation. Now, we don't know who's cast as either one yet, but it's going to be interesting moving forward to see who ends up taking up the mantle and how they portray one of the most beloved lanterns uh, in all of comic history. And so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will have plenty of links in the show notes below to go check out all the things. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out and then I will see you guys next week. Okay, bye.